0: Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel podcast. Throughout each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We cultivate leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we're encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll be hearing from Dr. Stephen Sanders. Dr. Stephen Sanders has been a professor of New Testament and Greek at Criswell College since 2020. He is also adjunct professor of New Testament studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. He earned his master's degree in pastoral leadership and his doctorate in New Testament studies from DTS. He grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, but moved to Atlanta to go to college at Georgia Tech. Without further ado, Dr. Stephen Sanders.
1: Uh, so for before I start, I just want to mention uh, just I guess at the um, start of the semester, how excited I am to be here. Um, a lot of you I've seen in class, but some of you I've had in class before and I haven't really seen you yet, and so barely see you now with these lights. But I'm glad to kind of squint and make you out. Um, it's just great to be back here sometimes you know during the summer we're up here and it's just like not everybody's up here so I don't know I'm just really really excited to be here they also told me I had to speak if I was going to be excited to be here so um, about 10 years ago in fact it was 10 years ago this month there was a Georgia Tech student named Nick Selby and he gave a speech at freshman convocation and, and that speech ended up going viral now I uh, first saw this speech while I was watching the terrible football team. Um, but at halftime, ESPN played a clip of the speech that he, um, that he had given. And during this speech, they kind of show the end, and it's kind of climaxing around to uh, this high point. And the high point is that, um, that he starts to yell. And when he yells, he says that... Uh, If you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play background music, because theme music's going on in the middle of the speech, at convocation, like a word I can't say in in Criswell Chapel, we can do that. I am doing that. And there's a silence. And then he kind of walks off the stage and sits down. And so I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, how did Nick Selby end up finding himself in a position where he's yelling about his being a word, I can't say at crystal chapel, to every freshman at Georgia Tech? So I decide to, of course, go to YouTube and watch the whole thing to see how he gets to this point. Now, the speech itself, it starts off... And it's, it's kind of your typical speech. He, he's decided to give the freshman class 10 pieces of advice for being a good college student. And it's all stuff that you, you know, the administration's probably very happy. He said, sit at the front of class, do your laundry, get to know your professors, work ahead, get a good night's sleep, this kind of stuff. But he, he um, ends up building up to point 10. And point 10 is remember why you're here every student there had chosen Georgia Tech for some reason. Out of all the options of wherever they could go to college, they had chosen Georgia Tech. And he wanted them to remember and keep remembering why it was they're there. Now, for Selby himself, apparently, he did want to build the Iron Man suit. Like, for real. He wanted a personal suit of armor that he could fly around the world, presumably, with Gwyneth Paltrow. And so, he firmly, apparently, believed that At Georgia Tech, he could do that. Now, if you came to Criswell thinking, I want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Criswell. You cannot do that. (laughs) But for all of us, there is a reason why we're here. And that's not even just students. That's faculty, staff. There was a time that of all the options you had, you chose to come to this place. And the trick with reasons why you do something, as life goes on, those become a little cloudier and you can sometimes lose that. And so I thought, you know, we're, we're two weeks into the semester now, even a week and a half. Let's talk about why you came to Criswell and to remember why you're here. And how is it that you can get from the place you are and go in the direction of the place you want to be? You came to Criswell for that. Why is that that you... Are here. Um, Now, this is something that I've been thinking about even on my own, uh, you know, for myself over the summer. You know, I'm at Criswell now. There are other places I could go teach. There are other things I could go do. And even if I didn't want to do ministry, I have an engineering degree. Like, I have options in life. Some of those options would lead to more money. Some of those options would lead to me not working in the middle of the night teaching. Some of those options would do other things for me. I wouldn't have to put up with certain things. But I chose to come here, and I came here for a reason. And so this summer, I'm reminding myself of that. And because of that, uh, we have an NT Topics class uh, on Bible study methods that we uh, teach. It's uh, meeting on Monday nights from 4.45 to 7.15 or whatever. But the, the last Monday, the first time we met, I decided to start the class with just asking the question, hey, when you think back to your decision to come to Criswell... Why is that? And for that class, it wasn't rhetorical. Uh, And so we had different people talk about, the students talk about why it is they chose here. So uh, one guy was talking about how somebody came to his youth group and they gave a message and it really moved him. And he wanted to learn to teach the Bible the way that guy did. And that guy went to Criswell. And so he came here because of that example. We have another student, and she had a mentor, and the mentor went to DTS, and the mentor told her, listen, if you want to learn about the Bible, you can do that at Criswell. Uh, We had someone else who said that he had come for preview day, and of all the places he visited, Criswell had this community where he felt like he could come and just uh, be in a community with like-minded people where he could be encouraged to get to know the Lord. Now, these are all BAPS students, um, but your reason for coming to Criswell, may be like them, it may be something totally different, but for all of us, there was a reason originally why we came here. And so I just wanted to spend some time today remembering why that is, but also asking how are you doing on that? Because as the semester comes, We'll have either, your if you're working here, your job will have requirements of you. If you are a student here, there will be more and more assignments. And as you start to do that, it can shift from the reason why you're here is, ever you're here, to the reason why I'm here is to complete this assignment. Or the reason why I'm here is to pass this test. Or the reason why I'm here is to fill out this form. And then all of a sudden, we forget the reason why we're really here. And so, I wanted to look at a passage today that's in the middle of Philippians. It's in Philippians 3, so you can go ahead and turn there. But uh, we're going to pick up in verse 12, but right before this, Paul has talked about a goal and an ambition that he has. Now, uh, Paul's ambitions, what he says in this passage, is that they've changed from the time he's younger. At this point, Paul's an older guy. He uh, is in prison, which is not super... uh, you know super surprising Paul's something of a repeat offender um but paul finds himself in prison again what's surprising this time is he wasn't immediately released uh before this he either gets out of jail like the next night it goes poorly but he gets out of jail or there's some kind of miracle or something happens and he's on the road again planting churches but this time he gets arrested and it sticks And so he's in jail and he's trying to figure out, well, who am I and what do I want if I'm going to stay in jail? If I don't know whether I'll even ever be released from jail, I could die in jail here. And what he starts to talk about as he's writing this letter to a church that he had planted years ago, was that as a believer, you're going to struggle and suffer in certain ways. And it's important to remember what your goal is. And for Paul, his goal in this passage is to know Christ. And that sounds kind of like a Sunday school answer and what you'd expect for Paul. But again, Paul's not in Sunday school. Paul is in jail. And what Paul means by knowing Christ is not being able to pass some kind of theology exam, but to actually experientially know who Christ is. And not just in his resurrection, but Paul knows if you're going to rise from the dead, you have to die first. So Paul wants to know Jesus also in his death and suffering so as to unite himself with Christ so that Christ's sufferings are experienced by Paul himself. Christ's death will eventually be experienced by Paul himself. This is a goal. This is an ambitious goal. This is something that's big and hairy, and it is hard to see how to get there. So he starts to talk in these verses we're going to look look at. He starts to talk about what that means for him and the way he is viewing that. And he says two things about how he's pursuing this goal, and then he'll, he'll say something encouraging to uh, his audience at the very end. So we're going to pick up in verse 12. And Paul says, I have, uh, "...it is not that I have already taken it." Now, the it here is the goal of being united in the knowledge of Christ. Um, or that I have already been made whole. But I press on so that I might take it. Um, if so, also that I might be taken by that which Christ, for which Christ Jesus has grasped hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself already to have taken hold of that. See, Paul writes that the goal he has not already achieved. He still has something to grow into. And we think about Paul now, and Paul has been on the road planning churches for decades. And it would be easy, you would think, if I were Paul, for me to say, I've seen it all, and I've done it all, and look at the change I have made in the world. But the way Paul views himself is a person in need of growth. He is not there yet. There is still something to do. And this is incredibly healthy psychologically. There's this uh, professor uh, of psychology at Stanford University who in those circles is pretty famous. And, And her name is Carol Dweck. And Dr. Dweck, she wrote this book summarizing decades of research, and it's called Mindset. And and what she's looked into is the effect that how someone views himself or herself, the effect that that has on their ability to accomplish what they set out to do, to be successful in whatever they choose in life. And and she summarizes in this book um, that there are generally two types of people. There are people that she talks about with fixed mindset. And what fixed mindset means is that these people, they view themselves as having a certain amount of ability, a certain amount of intelligence, a certain amount, you know, their character is a certain way, and they were born with that. And what's important is to demonstrate who or what they are at all points in time. And she contrasts this with what she calls growth mindset. Sometimes there are students or people who believe no, my abilities can change. They can grow. My character can develop. My, um, my intelligence through hard work can grow. And so she talks about the different outcomes between people who fundamentally see themselves as in process and growing and needing to grow versus someone who says, this is who I am, this is who I've always been, and this is who I will always be. And not surprisingly from the research, the person who grows tends to take all new challenges. They're willing to risk failure because they know I have something that I need to grow into. And so they take challenges more and more. Someone who has a fixed mindset, they will resist challenges because they don't want to be perceived as being dumb. They want to be perceived as being smart. They don't want to be perceived as being incapable. They want to be somebody who is capable. And so, therefore, they'll remove themselves from growth opportunities because they don't believe that they can fundamentally change anyway. And so, therefore, they want to show and demonstrate who they are. Paul is someone with growth mindset. Despite everything that has already happened to him, he believes there is still ground that could be taken. And I think nowadays, as Christians, there is this pressure to always present a front where you have all the answers, And you never, ever, ever do something you don't want to do. And that you are the finished product. Whatever God was doing in saving you, he has done it completely, completely and utterly. But Paul looks at it differently. He looks at himself in process. And because he's in process, he is able to say, I have not already been done this, Uh, I have not already taken hold of this. One thing that Dweck really points out is the power of yet. Viewing yourself as not yet having arrived. And you notice that Paul uses the similar term. I haven't already done this. I haven't already done this. And that's okay. Because he's going to talk about a second thing. So we're going to pick up, um, back up in the middle of 13. He says, but one thing. Now your translation, it might say, but one thing I do or something like that. But in the original language, he just says, hen deb, but one. And it it's more powerfully rhetorical. He doesn't have to say all of these other words. He's just saying one. One thing. But one thing, on the one hand, by forgetting the stuff that's behind, and on the other hand, reaching out, stretching out for the things that are ahead, I press on towards the goal for the purpose of the prize, which is the, the heavenly calling of God in Christ Jesus that Paul knows he is in process and so as he's in process whatever is behind him he leaves that behind and he focuses on one thing he has a priority sometimes you'll hear people and they'll say I have several priorities you can't have several priorities that's that's not a priority then a priority is there's one thing you're focused on And Paul is focused on this one thing. And so all of life, it is not distracting, whether he's in prison, whether um, he is beaten, whether the church that he's planted isn't doing well. He has one goal. And amidst all of that, he is stretching out for that one goal. The imagery here is of of a race, that he is looking at running a race, and the race will end when he hits the finish line. And he is stretching out for that finish line with all he can so that he will end up winning the prize. So this uh, summer, I decided I wanted to take Spanish. And I actually haven't ever taken Spanish before, and there were a whole lot of reasons for me not to. But I ended up uh, looking into this class that meets Monday and Wednesday nights over at the Spanish World School, which is at Peak and uh, Gaston, so just a couple blocks over. Um, But there were a lot of reasons that I thought maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, I'm 42 years old. I have a fifth-grade daughter. Uh, She is a swimmer, so when I'm not teaching up here, I'm, you know, driving her around or spending my time at swim meets. Uh, I do teach up here, and I teach up here primarily at nights. The Monday, Wednesday class, the Monday, well, both of them, they start at 7. My Monday class is here, end at 7.15, so I'm always late on Mondays when classes start. And then one night I don't have to be up here is Wednesday night, but then I have to drive all the way back down to learn Spanish. On top of that, as some of you may know, learning languages is difficult. Um, It's not easy at all. And so why would I subject myself to this? Well, two reasons. Number one, I want to learn Spanish. And number two, I want to learn Spanish also because it's difficult. Like I don't want to get to a point in my life where I've kind of gotten to a place where I can handle everything around and everything's just easy. I want to do Spanish because it's hard. I want to do Spanish be, learn Spanish because it's a fight. I want to struggle with this. I don't want to be the kind of person that only takes up stuff that he can easily accomplish. And so I signed up, you know, YOLO. Um, so anyway... Last Monday, we have our first class uh, up here. So the Spanish class has been going for about a month. But this is the first time I'm going to do class and then teach a class and then go to Spanish. And so uh, the first day of Bible study methods, like, it was one of those classes that I just love. Like, we're talking about things I'm interested in. It ends up culminating. We're talking about this passage that I really, really like in the end of Luke 10. There's, like, this moment at the end. It's one of these classes where I kind of, like, feel like God is in the room here. And it's like... I'm not teaching anymore. Like, we're talking about the Bible, and it's just amazing. And so the class ends, and so (laughs) I'm 15 minutes late to Spanish. So instead of, you know, basking in the greatness of this class that I've just sat through, I pick up all my stuff, I walk out, I get in my car, I drive two blocks over, I get out, I walk into a room, and a man looks at me and and looks me in the eye as I'm walking in, and he says, Senor Stephen, de que material son tus pantalones? And I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I? And I kind of look down and I say, um, mis Pantalone son Clea. And he looks at me and he says something profound. He says, tus pantalone son de Clea. I say C, and I sit down. Um, Then an hour and a half later, I'm I'm finished with Spanish, and I'm driving back, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing? This is like, I I still haven't figured out where I'm supposed to eat between lunch and 9 p.m. at this point. Like, I have zero time. And so I'm thinking, I need to find food, and also, this is a terrible idea. But as I'm driving back, I think to myself, well, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself? I don't have to do this to myself. But I'm doing this because we have students here, and some of you, your first language is Spanish. And how am I supposed to teach you if I know nothing about the language you actually know? You have to learn English to come here. I should learn Spanish to be able to teach you. I also go to Costa Rica two times a year to train pastors. And I would like to be able to talk to those people without a translator outside of the time I'm actually physically present there. And I teach a language And so I need to remember what it's like and how it's completely reasonable for a student to be really fuzzy on a declension, right? These are the reasons that I'm taking Spanish, and I need to remember that because I can assure you when I get hungry, I want to quit Spanish. But more than that, there will be a day when I do know two things. One, mis pantalones, son de clea. But number two, I will also know how to talk to more people on this earth about Jesus, And there's a day further than that where everybody who believes in Jesus will be together singing in their own language praises to the Lord and I will understand more of what's going on there than I would if I just went and got a sandwich. One way or another. This is the way we have to look at what we're trying to accomplish at Criswell. We have to press on to the goal. We have to remember why we're here. And this is what Paul does. Paul doesn't finish there. He says uh, in verse 15, Therefore... As many who are mature are complete, um, let's think this way. And if you think some other way, that also God will reveal to you. In any case, let us hold on to that place or that thing which we have already attained. In other words, if you believe that you can grow, that also kind of implies you can believe that you could shrink as well. So let's not go backwards, always forwards. But notice, this isn't the mindset Paul just wants for himself. This is the mindset that we should all have. Now, I want to ask you a question. I actually want you to answer the question. Um, so I'm going to get you to like, turn to the person on your right and answer the question. It's kind of one of those things. Participate, people. Um, but this is going to sound like there's a right answer but I'm asking this as an opinion question so I'm not asking you to do math I want you thank goodness I want you to just think of what you think the answer is just off the cuff and tell the person to your right how many weeks do you think are in an average lifespan okay no math just turn and tell the person on your right how many weeks are in an average lifespan Okay, we're good. I feel like people are doing math now. (laughs) A lot of times we think of our lives in years, and years are pretty long. But the average lifespan is right around 4,000 weeks. And that doesn't sound really long at all. The average person, if I just ask them that, because I've started asking people this question, I'm a weirdo. Um, But usually they shoot for something much more. Our lives are nothing. It is not a marathon. It is a sprint. That is the race that we have. But here's the other thing. How many weeks, you don't have to answer this, how many weeks do you think there are between now and the last day of finals in the spring, the day before graduation? There, come Friday, there are 36 weeks left. There's 38 weeks overall. What that means is 1% of the average lifespan is these two semesters and you have an opportunity these two semesters to use that either to believe I am who I am and I'm here to confirm who I am. Here are my beliefs, I will see if my beliefs match up with your beliefs so that I can see if you're a good professor or not. Or, you can think to yourself, I want to be challenged and I want to grow. And here's the thing guys, I've seen this happen at Criswell. I was here last year when Heath Jackson only knew the alphabet of Greek this time last year. Right now, he can competently translate the gospel of John, and he's in Bible study methods, and we'll figure out how to use that even more effectively to communicate the gospel. You're at Criswell now. You can grow. That is a possibility, and it is on the table. If you came to Criswell because you want to change the world, you're at Criswell. You can do that. I don't have to yell about it. That's just true. There's no theatrics. You can do that if you want to. You can't do it being a fixed point, but you can grow into that. If you came here because you want to change the educational system that is failing in America and you want to take elementary school kids and you want to give them a safe and healthy place to learn, you're at Criswell, you can do that. If you <laughs> you like that one, didn't you, Vicki? If you want to learn how to understand people empathetically and you want to be able to counsel them in helpful ways and to speak life into them, you're at Criswell and you can do that. If you want to learn how to minister to the, to the outcast, to the people who our churches aren't reaching, they're all around us. You're at Criswell. You can do that. If you want to learn to minister to people on the other side of the world who speak Arabic, you are at Criswell. You can do that. If you want to learn how to understand the Bible clearly, not just to understand what people have told you about the Bible, but study the original languages for yourself, and not only that, but to communicate it effectively to others, as effective as anyone in your generation, you're at Criswell and you can do that. God is doing things here, and a lot of times we lose that because there is a struggle here and things don't always go the right way. Do we have a fixed mindset, or are we growing and straining to something like Paul is? You're at Criswell, and you can do that. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would remind all of us why you've called us here. I pray that we would never lose sight of that in the midst of all the activity. And I pray most of all that you would give us the endurance and the grit, whenever it goes bad, to just say that we haven't gotten there yet, and that's okay to pick ourselves up like Ashley did, and to go again. I pray that that's true for the students, but I also pray that's true for the faculty. And I pray that that is also true for all of the staff, everybody who comes in contact. We're in process, we're not a fixed point, and we want you to grow us. Whatever you want to do in the world, please do it through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Y'all join me in thanking Dr. Sanders. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen,
2: for moving the pulpit. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Sanders, I'm going to ask you a real quick question, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I'll uh, let anybody uh, in the audience who'd like to ask a question ask one also. Mm-hmm. Uh, my f- my uh, preliminary question is about the growth mindset mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Um, f- well, first of all, thanks for a great message. That no. was very encouraging, very challenging, mm-hmm. to exactly what we needed to hear. Uh, on the growth mindset, you know, when you, you, you were you were mm-hmm. describing the person who could come to Criswell and say, mm-hmm. I'm just looking for somebody to reinforce who I already yeah. am. Now mm-hmm. I know I can be this even harder, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can have a growth mindset mm-hmm. instead. The growth mindset, brilliant, obviously, beautiful mm-hmm. idea. I hope everybody adopts it. I'm all for mm-hmm. you. Have you run into people who are on this side, on the fixed mindset, you know, here we are, mm-hmm. who have pushed back against you when you've threatened,
1: <laughs> uh, where they were comfortably already ensconced. You know what? Um, there are a lot of people in the world and some of them are at Criswell and some of them aren't. And so this is not just a Criswell issue. This is a people issue, Yeah. you know, and I've had people outside of Criswell who somehow hear about me and want to talk about it inside of Criswell. So it's not just students, at least with students, I feel like we're all here. And, you know, part of that isn't just, cause this is the flip side of it. It's, when I say the issue with, I believe this, does it confirm, if it does, I'll accept it. If it doesn't, I will you know, complain and argue against it. But the real reason for that is, I'm not going out to you know, necessarily change everybody's views on things. But whatever our views are, they need to be challenged so that if we do hold them, we know what the challenges are. Because otherwise, I've seen more from DTS students, because I've been over there longer, people with riddle, really brittle views, and they haven't thought through why they hold them, and when they get cracked, they leave the faith altogether. And so I think there's always helpfulness in some amount of challenge, even if we're correct in our views. It's not the position we're holding. It's that our growth in our convictions need to be grounded in the text or in our relationship with God. Not unlike if you were training for uh, a marathon or training to uh, lift weights or something. You need to challenge yourself and grow in that. Nice. Uh, All right. Well done. Mm -hmm. Do you drink a lot of coffee? I'm just hmm? curious. Do you drink a lot of coffee? I don't
2: drink Is any there? coffee. Okay. No. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't need it. Very good. Uh, anybody have a question you want to ask? Anybody got a hand up right over here? Go ahead. Hello?
3: Yeah. Can All you? right. I'm Hmm. Hey, sorry. Um Hey. Well, first off, I want to thank you for reminding us of, like, our purpose here. Mm-hmm. Um, remind Specifically, like, making it clear that we are supposed to be here, um because I thought back to how I didn't even want to come here mm-hmm. at all, yeah, and but God made it very clear mm-hmm. that not only does he want me here, but that he has a place for me here, like prepared like like literally like he has a seat here for me, like mm-hmm. inviting me here, yeah, and then also I want to thank you for pushing us mm-hmm. to to the goal like. And pushing us and challenging in us, like, um, and creating, like, almost opening this space where we can freely, like, dream. Me, like, I'm over here dreaming now because Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like I've been, like, and it's not just the church. I don't wanna, like, pin the whole church in this, but, like, in Christian circles, I feel like. Like my dreams are pushed down, or I'm not meant to excel because cause of humility. Like I want to be humble, but I also don't know what to do with all these like goals mm-hmm. that God has. I believed God has given me. Yeah. Um. And it's just crazy. Like I just thank you for that because last night I literally had that. Like a question came to my mind before I went to bed. It was, Am I allowed to excel as a Christian? Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I guess I would ask you right now, like, how how do I be humble and excel?
1: Yeah, um, (laughs) I'm not complete and I've not attained that by any stretch. I also told the class that I'm the most amazing professor and they're lucky to have me the other day. (laughs) Um, So I'm in process on that one myself. (laughs) Um, That that said, um, Paul has a humility, but there's a false humility too. You notice Paul, for all that he has accomplished, he doesn't think he's there yet. And, and there's an interesting wordplay. We didn't have time here, but the, the word he says that I have not been made complete, sometimes translations say perfect, but the word there in Greek, it's less perfection than the way we think of it as like 100 out of 100 all the time. It's more like, are you whole? Is there anything missing? Is there completeness? He says that he is not, but in verse 15 he says, anyone, as many who are that which seems to indicate he thinks there are people who are beyond that, you know. But Peter seems humble at parts of time and sometimes he doesn't. There is growth and humility, but all of these people in the New Testament, they had dreams and they had ambitions. Otherwise there's no way that when Jesus of Nazareth told 12 dudes that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against them, against it and they look around and it's like four fishermen, a tax collector and somebody's going to knife him in the back you know, like that's ambitious we should be ambitious because God is doing something in this world and God is ambitious he is tis to save everyone who will be saved by him and we want to partner with him so I would say yeah, dream big but don't just dream big dream big, then push hard grow, and then dream again we don't dream enough We don't, and so you can excel, and you can also be humble, and you don't have to be humble all the way yet. You can grow in that, I think part of that is God will show you how little you are in the midst of a really big dream. You're here. Uh, As we
2: have one time for one more question, if somebody has their hand up, you can uh, find them, and on the way to that, are the musicians coming up to do one more song? If you are, come right now. This mm-hmm. is your opportunity to be here. <laughs> if you're not here by the time this question's done, we're not doing another song. But <laughs> I wanna do another
3: song, so come on. Okay, <laughs> go right ahead. All right, uh, hey Steven. Hey, uh, I was wondering, all right, in a time where there are so many distractions and so many other things we can focus on, what do you think are some of the most prominent things that get in the way of gr- like the growth mindset and how do we combat those?
1: Uh, well, with growth mindset, I think it's a lot just how you view yourself. We cannot view ourselves as having all of the answers. And even when we have an answer, we can't view ourselves as having taken completely hold of that answer, even if it's true. There are things, the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. There are ways that I need to understand it beyond what I currently have. That's just the case. So a lot of it's self-perception. But I think some distractions we invite on ourselves Social media, not going to sleep at night, all of those things that the administration wants to hear, you know, not doing laundry. Um, But that being said, I think that the real thing is Paul has figured out what the one thing, and you don't have to take what Paul's one thing is, but there should be a one thing for you somewhere, and you have to sit there and figure out what that one thing is and not let it move away from your vision. I think that's the real key to this passage, and that's why he says it, you know, Dr. Spring could explain this better than I can, but just rhetorically, he goes with two words, you know, but one, and he does that because it it enforces the urgency of knowing what that one thing is. If you're looking at three things, you're not really looking at anything, but if you look at the one thing why you are here, then that centers you to go in a direction, and we all need a direction. All right, y'all join me again in thanking Dr. Sanders. Thanks, you, brother. Well done.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.